Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Hey, um, we don't have a heap of time left because you guys were just worshipping so awesomely today. So we're just going to see what happens uh, with this with this word. Um, so I just wanted to start, we're at the end of a four-week series on the gospel of the kingdom, and I want to just start today by actually talking about a few kind of things that are to do with Thrive Church. I want to just show you our vision, our family creed, um, our mission, and, um, and, and our values as well. I just want to highlight what you're a part of just to get going with this message today. So we've got this vision statement actually that it's kind of like, you know, a vision statement can be written in pencil a little bit because God's always doing a new thing. And so we've just been sort of like tweaking it again, realizing that we're coming into a new season and God is actually changing, not the vision of this church, but he's actually kind of honing us in to uh, be more specific with um, our expression as a church. So this is our vision statement. It's to see a church full of the love of Jesus equipped with his purpose, transforming cities. That's what we want to do. That's what we believe God is calling us to do and causing us to do in this, in this season. Uh, our family creed, this is kind of like, you know, we want everyone who would come and be a part of our church family to actually experience this. That is to belong, to be loved, and to be the light. And that really is to, that everyone would have a place of belonging in his church. That there'll be no one on the outside looking in, but we're family. This comes down to our family value that everyone would sense actually a call, that, that everyone has a place in this church, um, that, that everyone experienced the love of Christ and the love of the fellowship of believers. And out of that would, would be the light to the world, that we would shine. That we would be like, uh, you know, the story that we just heard here, that we would go. uh, Because this is what family does. And we're all in this together. We've got this crazy mission. This is like Mission 01. And when we achieve this, this is going to be amazing. We want to see 10,000 souls transformed by the love of God. We're believing a big vision for this church. We're believing for a big footprint that we're going to leave behind, that our generation, when we go on to glory, that we'll be able to look from heaven and go like, well, look at God's footprint, because as a church, we stepped out and believed the radical. You know, we stepped out and did something big and courageous for Jesus Christ. Our values, these are our four kind of main pillar values in this church, connection, freedom, growth, and transformation. These are ascending values. Um, You know, connection, uh, we don't have anything going on if we've got disconnection. You know, we, we want to be a church of connection. We want to move towards each other. You know, we say to our new people, hey, we're moving towards uh, you. If you take a step towards us, we're going to meet. We're going to connect. Uh, you're going to feel a place of, uh, of value and belonging. Um, freedom, you know, this happens when we experience Jesus Christ. This is the encounter that we have with truth. Truth sets us free, the Holy Spirit. We're all about like the freedom and expression of the Holy Spirit, growth. This really highlights discipleship. We're a church that wants to grow and disciple, be discipled by Christ and move on to engage with the process of transformation. 
And then that leads us to our last word, which is transformation. And this really, though, is about the expression that we believe we're called to have in the community. We're actually not just a Sunday gathering, but we're actually here to bring transformation to our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, and into the world around us because the Word of God is alive. It's not dead. Uh, Jesus is not, you know, he didn't stay in the grave. Grave. He rose with resurrection power, brought transformation to the world around us. And our, and our statement around transformation is this, that through our lives, we will give expression to God's purposes and supernatural wisdom to the world. We believe that every one of us has got a divine assignment to bring the gospel of the kingdom to the world around us. And we sung that song this morning, you know, let it be done. Your kingdom, let it be done. Let it be done. I just want to jump into 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 here. We're just going to open the Word of God. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So this is like, this is internal. This is, we are reconciled with Christ. This is like, hey, Jesus, you know, in John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus. And, and, he, and Nicodemus is like, I don't know, you know, what is this kingdom? And Jesus said, hey, uh, unless you are born again. Unless you have a new start, unless you uh, receive me, unless, you know, you receive the, the Christ, the anointed one, then you can't actually enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to have something new in your life. And then it says this in verse 18, For all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation. That sounds like accounting, doesn't like reconciling numbers. But basically that is meaning as it's written in heaven, that there would be alignment with earth. That as your life is in the, as written in the books of heaven, that God sees the good works that He's prepared in advance for you to do, that your whole life would be in alignment with the good works that are written about you. That you would be reconciled to the expression and the mandate that God has when He thought of you on this planet. That your life would be reconciled as a new creation. That you wouldn't live in the old man and the old nature, but you would be plugged into the lineage of Jesus Christ. And then it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making His appeal through us. You know, Neville's key verse last week, um, which is cool. Is it, who, who came for Neville's Word last week? It was, it was amazing. There was an incredible drama here. It's good to see that we have the Ancient of Days with us again this morning. Uh, check it out if you weren't here. It was actually fantastic. Uh, his key verse uh, from Luke 22, uh, 29. Uh, and, and Jesus is actually, this, the context is that Jesus is speaking to his disciples like this is in the last day or two before he goes to heaven. So he's really bringing a charge to his disciples in a, in a moment. And he says, I bestow upon you a kingdom 
just as my father bestowed upon me. And, bestow, and we had the crowns, you know, we were anointed kings and all that going on last week. But bestow means I appoint, I, I bestow upon you a kingdom. I appoint you. I make a covenant with you. And Isaiah 61, it says, he bestows a crown of beauty for ashes. So he puts a crown, he bestows upon our lives. This was the point that Neville was making, that we are actually representatives as kings and queens of the kingdom of God. So the word of God is saying in the context of our new creation self, of you as a born again Christian, that you have a crown to wear, that we are Christ's ambassadors, that God wants to make an appeal about His kingdom and bring an expression through our lives as though you were actually wearing His crown, sent, commissioned from heaven to earth to give an invitation for this realm of heaven that, you, that, that, that the world is invited to be a part of. And regardless of whether you feel like your life is very appealing or not, God wants to make an appeal through you. He wants to make turn to your neighbor and remind them that God has got something to say through your life. Just tell your neighbor that. Come on, God's got something to say to the world through your life. <laughs> something awesome. Something great. You know, when a, a Roman... A Roman apostle was sent out as an ambassador from Rome. They would go representing Rome. And the, the apostle's mandate was to actually to, 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 to go and pioneer something of Rome, was to go and establish the culture of Rome in new territory so that when you were in this new location, this new city, and you weren't actually in Rome, but you actually ended up feeling like you were in Rome. And, and in the year 63 before Christ, the, the Romans' empire's goal was, was to, they actually captured Jerusalem at this time. And so their goal was to capture Jerusalem, transform Jerusalem, so that you, when you went to Jerusalem, you felt like you were in Rome, that you would, you would experience Roman ideology, that, that, that uh, politically, that aesthetically, that, that uh, in the arts, so that when you're in Jerusalem, your senses felt like you were like, you would smelt like Rome, it tasted like Rome, it looked like Rome, it was Jerusalem. But because the apostle came, the Romans came, they brought this culture of transformation to this location so that actually it just, well, it's not no longer Jerusalem. Yeah, that's the name, but it's actually Rome. It's a part of the empire. So Jesus, he comes to this planet when the Roman empire is in Jerusalem and he's inspired, I guess, by their ideology and their methodology. And, and, their, and, and so he borrows this term apostle from the Roman Empire. And he called his 12 disciples apostles in Mark 6. He said, hey, <laughs> hey, you guys, you're like Pilate, <laughs> you know, you're like that guy 
who came from Rome to bring Rome to the city. You're actually, you're, you're like me, Jesus, who came from heaven to bring heaven to earth. You've actually got an apostolic mandate on your life to see heaven worked out on this planet. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. He says, we, we read, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and the gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and a variety of tongues. <laughs> Long tongues, short tongues, <laughs> wide tongues, shabba tongues. So this apostolic ministry has been given to the church so the church can take a hold of what the kingdom represents and express that to the world. Come on. And so, yes, the Roman apostle went first. He was the sharp tip of the sword, but he wasn't solely responsible to bring transformation. Because what happened, the apostle would go and then the Roman Empire would roll in behind him, bringing momentum and, and taking their place in society. And, and it's the same picture for the church. You know, yes, there was the apostles, but there was the prophets, the teachers, the miracle workers. Who believes that they've got the gift of miracles on their lives? Would just like agree with that. Let's go. Let's go. The radical stuff helps. There was an apostolic call to bring the expression of helps, to bring transformation. Administrators. And then we've got the variety of tongues. I don't know, but that does something to bring the kingdom. <laughs> that edifies, that builds up. That's a valuable part of the expression of your mandate on on earth and in your family, to be walking around. Your, you know, a couple of times a week, I will walk around my house speaking in tongues, releasing the kingdom over my family and over my property and over, you know, just that environment that God's called us to steward. It's powerful. So Christ is the king. He's the king of his kingdom. And he desires to reclaim his creation through his people. This is, this is the narrative. He decides to see his planet restored through his people. Romans 8 says, All of creation is groaning, waiting for the sons of man to be revealed. <laughs> it's like waiting for his people. Waiting for his people. You know, in 1975... There are two Christian leaders, Dr. Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham. And they both got this message from God and they got together to talk about this message. Bill Bright, just to give some context, he is the founder of the world's largest ministry, Campus Crusade for Christ at the time. Um, there are 26,000 full-time employees and missionaries in 191 countries. It's not a bad effort. Uh, Lauren Cunningham. He was the founder of Youth with a Mission, which is YWAM, and this is a ministry with 20,000 full-time staff in 150 different nations. And both of these individuals had a call on their lives to bring the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And they came together 
with two messages from God. They'd been hearing from, you know, they, they didn't know what the other one was going to say. And they came together to share what God was talking with them about. And, and to their amazement, God had been speaking to both of them about the very same thing. They had the same message about this new concept of influence. And the message was this. You may have heard it. There are seven spheres or influences in society that are there that shape culture and society and the world that we live in. And they, they kind of came up with this world and a word initially or this phrase that they were the seven mind molders of society. And then went on, uh, it's been called the seven ma- mountains. The seven mountain mandate is what Lance Wall now has been calling it. And so these are the seven mountains in society. Check these out. These are the, the gateways for influence, all right? We've got family. We've got church or, the relig- or religion as a broad term. Education. Government and politics, media, arts, which includes entertainment and sports, and the economy, which is commerce, science, and technology. So there's this, this word that God brought to these guys that, that believers were called to have expression and influence within these spheres of society to change culture and to bring the kingdom. You know, and kingdom influence is it's not an, it's not new, uh, like kingdom the kingdoms of this world. Influence in the kingdoms of this world is not a new thought for you know in Bible terms. In the Old Testament, we've got these accounts of individuals who transform cities and nations. Daniel, he was a, he was a captive to the Babylonian Empire, and he became a government official for four kings. He was a head magician, even though he was a Jesus lover. Joseph, he was a prisoner in an Egyptian kingdom. He ascended in a moment to the prime minister's role and the second most powerful person in Egypt. Nehemiah, he was just a cupbearer in the Persian uh, kingdom. He, he had incredible favor with the king of Persia in finance and resources. He went on, rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Esther, she was an orphan raised by her cousin in the Persian empire. She sought favor with the king who saved her people from being annihilated, the Jewish race. So these are the guys, you're like, well, how could I bring influence into the world around me? I just want to say that God can do anything when we put him first and no matter what circumstances we're going through. Here we've got a captive, we've got a prisoner, we've got a cupbearer and an orphan, all from humble beginnings who changed cities and saved thousands of lives. I want to encourage you today to not necessarily think about winning and influencing culture by starting something new, but actually bring influence from the inside out to change culture. You know, Esther's cousin Mordecai, he put it like this when he was talking to Esther. He said to her, hey, you were born for such a time as this. You were born to bring uh, change and transformation. So Lance Wallner, he's a current champion of the Seven Mountain Mandate. And he met with Lauren Cunningham from YWAM. And Lauren urged him to speak at the United Nations. And so Lance is like, who am I to speak at the United Nations? That's a step up. And he wrestled with this thought and he felt like God was just saying, go, go, go. And, and, And as he spoke about it, He said this, every time, this is what Lance said, every time a Christian refuses to go to a field they're called to go into, by their own neglect, they create a vacuum that is 
then able to be occupied by a counterfeit authority. I know, right? If we don't step into an environment of influence, if love doesn't go into a space, what else is it going to be filled with? A counterfeit authority. You know, when David destroyed Goliath, when he took him down with just a slingshot, he experienced a supernatural moment. He had this slingshot moment where he had his hand like, and then it was like God's hand came over his hand. So their hands were moving together and he released that stone and it had a divine trajectory and one stone took down a giant. And that was amazing. That launched David to fame. That meant that like, Israel just kind of came in. The principality that had been the stronghold of that region, he was taken down. And then the Israelites came in and they brought victory that day. There was a supernatural breakthrough in that moment. But before David had that supernatural moment, he didn't live in a divine moment. He didn't live necessarily with God's hand over everything he did in every moment of the day. Right before this moment, David was a shepherd boy. He was in the wilderness. He was just, just him and his guitar playing worship songs, like pre-writing some of the Psalms maybe. And he was serving his dad. And then God put his hand on David in that moment and a giant was slain. I just want to close today with four keys to partner with an apostolic mindset because David did something incredibly apostolic when he took down the strong man of that region that was bringing oppression. We're good, eh? We've got time to finish this word? We're good? Okay. That's great. I'm having fun. I'm learning something. <laughs> the king of kings, he desires to place... His supernatural on your natural. He wants to put his hand on your hand so that we can do great exploits for the kingdom. But I just want to speak to your natural first. Because we're called as Christians to excel in the natural. You know, in the natural, I've got to get up when I don't want to. You know, I've got to get out of bed in the morning and it really sucks sometimes. 5.30, I hear that. It's hard getting up. We're called to like, that's it. It's difficult to, to, to tame your natural man. But in the natural, I've got to step out of my comfort zone. Oh, just because I've got the pastor and I'm the microphone guy, you know, I don't always have heaps of courage. I've got to actually just kind of like step out in the natural. I've got to anticipate divine appointments and connections. I want to encourage you, you know, to engage in the will of God, but engaging in the will and purposes of God is not just praying about His kingdom and His purposes and staying at home waiting for the phone to ring. We're called to go. In the natural, I need to learn. I need to train. I need to grow in discipline. I need to make my bed, pick up my undies off the floor and put the trash out. That's my natural self. Anyone relate? I don't want you to think that I, you know, that it's all like, you know, I just levitate at home and 
Ooh. I mean, Daniel heard me last night talking to my children. <laughs> so in the natural, I've got to step out of my comfort zone. Anticipate divine appointments and connection. Number two, in the natural, this is about fulfilling your apostolic call. I need to serve someone else's call and vision faithfully. Being in the natural is being faithful, but being faithful is not just turning up, it's turning up with the right attitude. Luke 16, 12 said, If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you which is your own? You know, before David destroyed Goliath and had that supernatural moment, he served his dad. He was on a pathway of graduation. He killed a lion and a bear. Before he was invited to shepherd a nation, he had just to shepherd some sheep, pick up the poo, sleep with the sheep, smell like the sheep. You know, think of Elijah. He, he served Elijah. And often we discover our call and our purpose just by serving someone else's vision. Who are you called or assigned to serve? Your boss, your friend, your ministry leader. Number three, we need to be caused. Passion runs out when it rests alone upon self-motivation. To be caused is to have something to live for and something to die for. Something that is far bigger than ourselves. And we remember Anzac Day today. Those who fell, the women, men and women who fought, and they gave their lives for the vision and values and the culture of New Zealand so that that vision, values would be upheld. They had a cause that was bigger than themselves. And I want to tell you that there is no other greater cause than to be fueled by the cause of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.